Gotcha. I hope you look so good in truth. What are you wearing today, Truth? <laughs> you look right. Oh, you're wearing peace today. You're wearing joy. Imagine. Just imagine if that's what made you. It's your light that makes you look good. Not the way you do your hair. Not the clothing that you wear. Not your money. But your God self is what you made, what makes you look good, that makes you look appealing. I remember right after I was ordained the first time through Interfaith, I started really getting noticed in the street. I was being asked out on dates, and I thought, what's going on? I cannot have suddenly become an object of lust. <laughs> I thought, what's going on here? But that, I mean, I was getting cruised on Ninth Avenue in New York. It's like, what's going on here? And I thought, I just, I, I can't have changed in a week that I'm suddenly so physically attractive that people can't resist me. I, I know I look the same. And maybe I'm attractive, maybe I'm not. That's for others to decide. But I wasn't getting this kind of attention two weeks before. And I thought, oh, it's my light. I'm letting my light shine, and that's what's appealing. And I didn't let my light shine so I could get a date, get a, get, a, get a relationship. I let my light shine because it was fun to let my light shine. I had been working diligently day after day after day for years at that point, uh, about nine years, you know, it, that where I consciously was working at knowing what my light was and being my light. And... and and suddenly it was showing up. There's something to be said for rituals, I gotta tell you. And my, my interfaith uh, ordination was, uh, just, it was loaded with ritual. There was so much ritual in that thing. Unlike unity, unity is here, congratulations. <laughs> There's not a lot of pageantry in the unity ordinations, especially in through the field program. We have now stepped it up where everyone graduates at the same time from every unity path at the international convention each year now. And it's, it's, it's nice. It's nice to see all paths walk across that, uh, that platform and be honored. So everyone is seen as equals. If you have gone through and you are pronounced ordained in the unity movement, you're not better because you went through this path than this path. Because from out there, they don't know the different paths. It's, it's you are now an ordained unity minister. And it's a funny thing, I, I, this is, I think, valuable information for you to know. No one has ever been defrocked in unity. You can become not in good standing. You, your license can be taken away. But no one ever becomes defrocked because it is considered that an ordination comes from God. And what is given by God cannot be taken away. And I like that. So while you can be an ordained minister, you cannot be in good standing at the same time. As far as having a vote, as far as being allowed to teach for credit and what have you. And uh, I don't know if you were interested in that or not, but that just came out. I didn't plan that information. And uh, I got another unity minister here in the crowd, and it's like, oh, oh we can chat for a little bit. <laughs> and uh, 
Today's talk is called, Whatever You Do, Do It For The Glory Of God. And that's where this light part comes out. Be the light, be the light at work. For the glory of God, what is the glory of God? I'm gonna read you something. I took out of the revealing word and I, I'd like to get the, the wording the same because otherwise I'm just gonna tra transpose it. Glory, glorious realization of divine unity. The blending and merging of man's mind with God mind. And what that means is between the egoic mind and the holy mind. The holy mind is never not within us. Uh, we are a product of divine mind. So we, we could never be separate from it, but we can pretend we are. When we're trying to make the earthly stuff more important, the physical more important than the spirit, we start to forget. But you see, within divine mind, we have that capability. We're told we're given a choice. We're given a choice what to think. We're not given a choice as to our true identity. I'm still a product of the divine source. I'm still a product of love. I am still a product of what is rather than what is not. And I can't not be. Now clearly that has nothing to do with my body. It has nothing to do with my body in that the body eventually fades in one form or another. So the body is temporary. So I should not put all my concerns on the body. At the same time, our antecedents told us our body does not have to die. Our body does not have to wither. And the condition of our body is based on our thoughts. And if we are not at our healthiest, if we are not, it's not a punishment. It is not divine mind yelling at us. So it's, ah, see, you didn't think the right thoughts. But Myrtle Fillmore, did, our founding statement was, I'm a child of God, therefore I do not inherit sickness. And so if my family members had certain disorders, I might be predisposed to experience those, those things, but I'm not predestined. I'm not required to experience illness just because they did. When my mother made her transition at 64, and it was quite by surprise, we didn't do an autopsy. And I was sitting there, and, I, and they said, do you want to do an autopsy? I said, no. No, this is her journey. And I don't need to let my mind be influenced that in 30 years, that's going to be mine because of what my mother went through. It was none of my business what my mother was going on inside her body that took her away. It was very peaceful. It's, believe me, it's a death we all want. She just laid down for a nap and left. We may not want it today, but, <laughs> but when we go, it's the way to go, let me tell you. I went home the next day after we found her three days. She was dead for three days before we found her. And no fuss, no moss, no smell. They took her out, and they, uh, my brother went in with the landlord and the police and stuff, and laying there with their radio playing. Mm. And it was, I vote yes. For, and while I miss my mother to this day, I wish I could call her. I wouldn't bring her back. And I mean that in the nicest way. But again, her journey. Her journey. And so with all that, I have to keep looking at my actions my thoughts, my words. Am I doing what I do? Am I saying what I say? 
for the glory of God, to prove God now. Now, that I, uh, to have a healing, to say, oh, source works within me. Source, and so if source works within me, it can work within you. As I've been healing from this fall that I had, I, and I am healing. Every week I am better than I was before. And I celebrate every week that, oh, look at that. I'm walking easier. I'm getting up and down easier. Yesterday, I forget where I was walking, but it's like, oh, I'm walking pretty good. I'm limping less. I haven't worn a wrist guard in two days. I, uh, I'm getting better and better. And, and it's, it's wonderful to see that I, I can now bend over enough to pick up a cat. We have cats. I don't just pick up random cats, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I can I do that. Uh, that first few weeks, oh, kitty, you're going to have to jump up in the bed. <laughs> if, you, if you want attention from me, you've got to be where I can just bend over and not bend down. And, and, and to look at that and celebrate, to just celebrate. I, I printed out some stuff today that Emily Cady wrote. Emily Cady wrote Lessons in Truth. Although I think this, this, this reading is from the uh, How I Use Truth. And, and it, it comes from chapter 4. And it says, when do our hands serve as the hand of God? When do our hands serve as the hand of God? And she says, our hands serve as the hand of God when they are expressing or carrying out the plan or will of God. Now, what's the will of God? This is my understanding. To be happy, joyous, and free that everything I do may let me be happy, joyous, and free. How could I be happy, joyous, and free if I am using my hands to harm anyone, to harm another? How could I be happy, joyous, and free when I am using my word to harm another? And I'm not saying I have been cleansed of my willingness to uh, speak a word or two that is not necessarily in the favor of another's joy. But I keep praying on it and I keep looking at it. Emily Katie says, they serve as the hand of God when they are doing acts of love, kindness, and thoughtfulness. Our hands are truly the hand of God when they are doing the constructive work that brings our manifest world closer to the ideal world of God. She quotes Francis Havergal here and says, Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. So sometimes we may overlook the fact that those dedicated to bringing life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness are serving as the hand of God. This is true whether in governmental, educational, or religious circles. God has no other hand than ours. Our hands are not fulfilling their true purpose of doing God's will. If we do not accept the privilege and responsibility of being a worker as a God being, it is possible for us to serve as the hand of God only when our conscious phase of mind thinking or reasoning faculty, and our subconscious phase of mind, the feeling nature of the heart, are cleansed of all thoughts and feelings that do not measure up to the high standard of God. By the process of denial, we are able to prepare our consciousness for the inflow of God's inspiration. Through affirmation, we are able to consecrate our hands to do God's bidding, again, happy, joyous, and free. 
We come to think of our hands as instruments that God uses so that all work we perform is done to the glory of God and the honor of man. We need never doubt our ability to give if we have first sought God's guidance. Sometimes when we want to give some outer form of good to another, we are guided to give only of spiritual gifts. These may be in the form of a thought or prayer of love, appreciation or understanding or redirection. Sometimes, of course, we may give an actual material gift. Often when we feel we have no material gift worth giving, we are led to give something that we may consider quite insignificant, but which will prove to be just the right gift to bless that particular occasion. Do you have a desire to be the hands of God in action? Do you have a desire to be the mind of God in action, the word of God in action? Do you have a desire? Well, let's start with your, who does? Anybody? Okay. Not everybody, clearly. Not everybody's raised their hands, but okay, that's fine. I think some are not listening. And uh, <laughs> here's the thing. You got to start with yourself. What do you tell yourself about yourself today? Do you speak about yourself to build yourself up or to make yourself guilty and ashamed? When you look in the mirror, do you criticize or do you praise in some way? Tough one. First thing in the morning, before all your hair is done, uh, to look and say, hi, God to declare yourself a God being, first things first. And we know God is not a person. We know God's not a personality. God is love. God is wisdom. God is power, presence, peace, joy. So to look in the mirror and say, hi, love, hi, joy, hi, peace. I'm happy to see you today. And this is what love looks like. So you know it's good. Just know now it's good rather than it weighs too much, rather than it's too old, rather than it's anything less than the glory of God. So you see, how can you see your neighbor, your spouse, your life in the glory of God if you don't see yourself? You can't declare yourself bad and, declare some, and, and really believe someone else is good. Because if you're thinking you're somehow bad and you think somebody else is good, you're judging them on their behaviors rather than their light. If you think someone else has more light than you, look at them and say, how could I even see that light if I didn't have that light within me? <coughs> so, you look in the mirror for the light. You look within in your quiet time for the light. You, you declare there is light here, and I am willing to see it. That's why when I gave the instruction to Christina to look at doorways and say only love lives here. Well, if God is love itself, that means only God lives here. Now, I don't know what God is truly. I don't really know what love is. Is there anyone here who could accurately describe love? Can anybody here come up with a word that sufficiently describes what love is, or peace, or joy. You know what it feels like sometimes, but that's not all of what love is. And so, 
to release the frustration that I cannot accurately describe God. And I think that's what they meant in the old days when you weren't even allowed to say the word God, when you put G hyphen D in some of those religions. I think what it means is you can't say what it is with sufficient satisfaction. You can't describe. How do you describe light? I turn on a light, I see But do I see everything when I turn on the light? No, I see with uh, all my thoughts. I see with all my prejudices. I see with all my discrimination. That is so inaccurate. So much is still from my, uh, my parents and my grandparents. So much is from newspapers and television that tell me I ought to be thinking a certain way. So I do turn on a light to see. But what's my intention? Am I looking to see as God sees? Am I turning on a light in the room to see love in my room? Or am I turning on a light to see a mess? How do you describe the room you're looking at when you turn on the light? Oh, what a mess. Oh, let me turn off the light. I don't want to see this mess. Because I don't know what to do with this mess. Well, you might by start by picking things up. If you don't like what you see when you turn on the light, you can change that. You can start by saying, even before you turn on the light, I am willing to see God here. Show me. And if there is anything blocking my view of God, I am willing to shift that. So you turn on the light and you pick up the clutter. You release within the clutter what no longer works for you. It's like going through your closet and releasing all that you no longer feel good about yourself in. And it doesn't make it bad stuff because it might look great on somebody else. Sometimes, you know, you see some things and you think, who's ever thought of making this in the first place? It never looked good on me. Who's it going to look good on? I kind of bought something the other day, and I thought, oh, my goodness, who's that ever going to look on? And he put it on, and he looked great in it. So what did I know? He had an eye, not me. I wasn't buying it for me. He was buying it for himself. And so you start to look at things, but I go through my closet frequently, and I say, okay, not so much me anymore. I'm not 25. Now that I'm 28, it's just (laughs) not right. And I don't wear what I should wear. I wear what I want to wear. What I feel good about myself in. And, and, so, and then it comes to your surroundings. Are they just cluttered with everything? Or do you like what you see? I get it. We can't all go out and buy a new house. We can't all go out and run out and get a new, new apartment. But we can make the most of what's there. So that we feel prosperous, so that we feel abundant, so that we can look at ourselves in the glory of God. Let all that you do, so now comes to our conversations, you know, with our friends, with our family, are, are, are our conversations for the glory of God or to create or destroy a feeling within us? You know, what we spend our money on, do we, do we spend our money 
to feel abundant? Do we save our money to feel abundant? Either way, because sometimes when we save, we don't feel very abundant. Sometimes when we spend, we don't feel very abundant. And the magazines and the TV we watch and all that stuff, are we doing it for the glory of God? There's no cause for guilt if we haven't been. But what do you want today? Do you want to know the glory of God? Do you want to shake up your life that you are not afraid of your new thoughts? That you're not afraid of looking at things differently? That you're not afraid to forgive? That you're not afraid to have the light on and it's safe to not know what anything means? That's the hardest part, isn't it? That I don't know what anything means. Let's all say that together. I don't know what anything means. Are you okay with that? And, and are you trying to define, okay, well, what can I define? You know, my house means this. No, no, it doesn't. Your house. You don't know what your house means. You don't know what your body means. You don't know what this floor means. You don't know what the sky means. You don't know what your money means. You don't know what the lack of money means. You don't know what your clothing means. You don't know what your taste means. None of us know. And so, if we would become safe in the not knowing, we, then we can just enjoy it. I don't know what this means, but I like it. <laughs> I don't know what this means, but I'm going to eat it. <laughs> I don't know what this means, but I'm going to talk about it. I don't know what this means, but I'm going to shut up about it. I don't know what this means, but I like it. I don't know what it means, but I'm not comfortable with it. I don't know what this means. I don't know what anything means, and I'm okay with that. I don't know what this means. So I go within and I say, okay, spirit, I don't know what it means, but tell me what to think about it. Because I know I'm going to be thinking something about it. So I'm driving down the street. Tell me what this street means. Tell me what the color yellow means. Or no, I apologize. Tell me what to think about the color yellow. Tell me what to think about this street. It's not about tell me what it means. Tell me what to think about it. So that I may begin thinking true thoughts. It's going to shake up everything. This thing, I don't know what it means. Facebook's not going to have any postings for years to come now because we have nothing to define. Instagram's just going to have photographs with no story. All our social media is not going to have any story anymore. Just pictures. Because we can't define it. It doesn't mean anything. Your childhood photos, your family photos, they're not going to mean anything but they will have great feelings but you'll never limit yourself again i will never limit you again you will never limit me again we won't limit the street or the sky we'll just be doing what we do to prove god now we will heal for the glory of god we will prosper for the glory of god we will live in harmony for the glory of God. We will say, think, say, and do in order to prove divine mind. 
of all the power and presence that is possible within divine mind. That is the only reason we need ever do, say, do or say anything again is to prove the power and the presence of divine mind true again, true. That's the only reason to do any of this stuff, to prove it true. I would like to go to school. Then I'm gonna to go to school to prove that it's possible to go to school. I'm gonna have a relationship to prove that it's possible. I'm going to have an instantaneous healing to prove that it's possible to have an instantaneous healing. I'm going to manifest my rent, my car payment, my food, my body. I'm going to manifest friendships and intimacy for the glory of God. I'm going to go ahead and, and experience everything I want to experience to prove that it's possible then there's no burden, and there is no lack, and there is no rejection. There's just always being guided with a divine intention to prove God now in all its glory and to prove once again to myself, oh, I am connected. I absolutely am connected to my source, and I can't not be. Let's go with that for today. Thank you.